From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, February 7th. Thompson Springs is looking to develop a new water source. That's because a recent study found the small town is currently operating at a 40% water deficit. So we have been looking for new water sources to get us out of the deficit and to encourage growth and development in this town, which is a a rural hub deemed by Grand County. John Corkery chairs the Thompson Springs Special Service District. He made a presentation to the county commission last week. Thompson Springs sits on the eastern edge of Grand County, about six miles from Crescent Junction. That's where Highway 191 and Interstate 70 meet. The Special Service District supplies water to the town's roughly 40 residents, as well as two gas stations and rest areas, ranchers, and the BLM. It all comes from one spring, which has greatly reduced in the last decade. The springs, specifically the main spring that they've been using, has slowly been on the decline. And and quite a few of the Book Cliff springs are in this same scenario. Grand County Commissioner Trish Hedin has worked closely with residents in Thompson Springs on a few issues, including water. During last week's meeting, the commission put a moratorium on any development requiring new water connections in Thompson Springs until a new water supply is approved. But taps aren't necessarily drying up in Thompson Springs just yet. That's because they're facing more of a paper water deficit. The state requires communities to have enough water to supply a certain peak demand. Currently, people in Thompson Springs are using, on average, much less than that peak demand. But that's still not square with the state. The town needs more source capacity to legally break even, let alone develop more residential or commercial projects. And Hedin says for a one-water source town, it's good to have more options. You know, we all know that we're in a, a, an extreme drought um, and have been on the for, you know, 40 years. So I think the fact is that towns specifically like Thompson that are dependent on one water source, it's, it's extremely important to develop additional sources. The special service district is currently looking at a few options. Short term, develop a second spring in Thompson Canyon. They would need permitting from the BLM, but Corkery said a second spring might get them out of the water deficit. That's kind of the low-hanging fruit and something that's going to happen fastest if we're able to get the permit from the BLM. And uh, we're very hopeful that uh, that will come through and help us get out of the water deficit and allow us to do some growth and development um, here in the near future. But long-term, Thompson Springs is looking at UMTRA. The federal project is currently cleaning up 16 million tons of uranium tailings from the banks of the Colorado River near Moab. They bring those tailings to a disposal site in Crescent Junction near Thompson. And they wet those tailings down using water from the Green River. We have spoken to UMTRA about the possibility of taking over their infrastructure and their water right once their project is complete. The UMTRA project is supposedly going to be completed in five to seven years, um, we're hoping. You know, we feel that it would be such a great thing to have this toxic tailings mine scenario help out Thompson Springs in this awesome way by, you know, giving us water and allowing growth and development into the future. 
Corkery asked for the commission's support for a grant-funded feasibility study that could assess the cost of taking over that infrastructure and extending Umtra's Green River water pipeline to Thompson Springs. He says this water source could potentially support hundreds of new homes in the area. During the meeting, county commissioners expressed some reservations about the cost of taking over that water infrastructure and its relation to creating large-scale development in the future. But Corkery says a feasibility study would help get more clarity on these issues. If the feasibility study comes back and says that it's a great idea, then I think we could move forward with all the planning and zoning stuff. If it comes back and says it's not a good idea, well, then, you know, we're kind of where we're at. County staff is currently working with Corkery on drafting a letter of support for pursuing UMTRA's Green River Pipeline water right and infrastructure. When that letter is drafted, the commission will take a vote on it during one of their regular meetings. For many in our region, winter recreation goes hand-in-hand with hitting area ski slopes. Our radio partners have a story about longtime Aspen, Colorado local John Francis Brueger, who just set out on a new kind of skiing challenge this season. He's lived in the Aspen Skiers Chalet for 13 years, and he wondered how many laps he could ski in one day by riding the nearby chairlift. But his ski challenge takes place as he faces imminent eviction from his home at the Skiers Chalet, which is one of the few affordable places to live within walking distance from Aspen Mountain. Alexander brings us this story. John Francis Brueger, or JF, has had a lot of jobs. I've always worked in construction. I've worked in the restaurants. I've, I coached at the Aspen Valley Ski Club for 10 years. I now teach skiing, I've property management, I've done a variety of different things. But skiing has always been his biggest obsession. I love the community that it brings out, and um, you find yourself just laughing and having the best time. Fourteen winters ago, Brueger was offered a room at the Skiers Chalet, a historic three-story hotel turned apartment building built in 1965. It was modeled after old Swiss chalets. It has a wraparound deck, hearts carved into the wood balcony, and skis propped up next to every doorframe. Skiers chalet tenants pay only $750 a month to live roughly 120 steps from the base of the 1A chairlift on the west side of Aspen Mountain. The cheapest free market studio listed for long-term rent in Aspen was over $4,000 per month. Over the past few years living in the skier chalet, Brueger came up with an idea. I've always kind of wondered in the back of my head how many laps are possible on the 1A chairlift in a single day. On January 13th, with his backpack full of water and snacks, Brueger rode the lift from open to close. That's six and a half hours from 9 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. It was kind of fun towards the end as the word got out what was going on and um, some people didn't believe it and other people were really excited, but uh, yeah, it got, I don't know, it was fun. And it was just, it was just a day of skiing. It was a long day, but it was just a day of skiing. But 37 laps and nearly 55,000 vertical feet of skiing didn't completely satisfy the longtime skier. Lift 1A, a fixed grip lift built in 1970, takes seven minutes to get to the top. Brueger said his friend Willie Volkhausen posed another daunting question. Which lift on these four mountains uh, could you ski the most total vertical in a day? 
And really what that comes down to is which lift climbs the fastest. Uh, the rest is up to the skier. And as far as I can tell, the Sam's Knob lift at Snowmass climbs the fastest at about 280 feet per minute. Ruger and Volkhausen caught one of the first rides on Sam's Knob at the Snowmass ski area around 8.45. Sam's Knob, a detachable lift, whisks skiers to the top in four minutes. You know, it, it can be a little overwhelming thinking of it in totality, but uh, we're just going for one run at a time. Dylan Wood was a lift operator at Sam's that day, helping the two skiers keep track of their laps and other stats. They're legends. They've had four and a half hours of lift ride time and two and a half of riding time. They average 6'10 from lift to lift. They're animals. Animals. They finished the day at 3.40 p.m. after skiing 66 laps on ungroomed runs. I mean, if it inspires people to get out and ski, then that's awesome. Bruger packed up his gear and drove back to his apartment at the skier's chalet. Unfortunately, his days this close to the mountain are numbered. The property was sold in 2015, and the new owners plan to replace the skier's chalet with luxury hotels, private residences, and a new chairlift that extends 500 feet farther into town. The skier chalet will be refurbished and moved one block north. The 10 rental units will be converted into a ski museum and skier services center. Bruger feels resigned to this inevitable new construction. I mean, you look at the rest of town and can't stop progress. I mean, it's going to happen. I don't feel great about it, but I understand it. It's still unclear when exactly Bruger and the other tenants will have to leave the skier chalet or where they will go. I have options having grown up here and being in property management, but I don't have a concrete answer. As Bruger considers his options, it's hard for him to imagine a better place for skiing than Aspen. It's funny, lately living in Aspen or living in any ski town has become more and more difficult. I've had a, a lot of conversations lately with friends and everybody about if not here, then where and it's a really difficult question to answer. Bruger has one message for those who plan to live on this land in the future. Keep the spirit of skiing alive. Hallie Zander, Aspen Public Radio News. This story is from our partners at Aspen Public Radio, and that's the KZMU News for Monday, February 7th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.